0: Wow, everything is blinking here. Okay. Can you hear me? Everyone is here, right? Uh, We can hear you fine, thank you. I can hear you as well. Perfect. I hear myself double somehow. Okay anyway um if nobody's hearing the double sound then it's me alone
1: and I will get but my annoying voice uh,
0: <laughs> having this yeah okay perfect so Pause. Okay, let's do it like this. Maybe and now it's better, yeah? Can you still hear me, yeah? Perfect. Absolutely, yes. So, welcome everyone to this webinar.
1: Um, we have Mike Dake from Avask and we have HiMac from Eva. So, let's talk a little bit about how we can make your Amazon business grow in 2023. Unfortunately, OFX could not make it today, so we're gonna do it alone. That's fine as well. So last time we had some problems with the visual. I hope nobody recalls that, but I still kept going and we finally we finished the webinar um, very, very well. So um, let's do this. Mike, would you like to begin?
2: Absolutely, yes. Um, So um, from my perspective, I think um, a stronger business is going to uh, revolve around um, just doing a lot of analysis and finding out how you can grow and expand your econ business across um, borders so you need to start making the right sort of decisions at the right time to ensure your business is in very much uh, a, a very sort of if you like a strong positioning because after all we've got an economic downturn and a recession looming which means that you, if you diversify your business and you get your business looking in a in a much uh, tidier shape then uh, you should be able to continue to weather the storm and build a stronger more resilient business so um, from my perspective i think the first thing you need to do is start looking at um, the marketplaces and the the availability really within those marketplaces and uh, from my perspective especially uh, i mean i always go back to one slide which is uh talking about the size of the north american marketplaces versus europe when you consider that the U.S. has got $908 billion of revenue um, and uh, Canada's got another $61 billion of revenue. Those two still are um, very, very good options for e-commerce sellers. But as you start looking towards Europe, the European marketplace value is around $828 billion, which basically means that the Europe, Europe has got as many, if not um, so many beautiful examples of how you can grow into a new marketplace and expand your business cross borders.
1: I have the slide here for you. If you would like um, me to put it on,
2: yes, please, absolutely, that'd be great.
1: Okay, let's let's share my screen. Oh, this is gonna be fun again. <laughs> here we go. Can you see it? I have two screens, so I hope this is the right one.
2: I can't see anything yet, but that might just be me.
0: Oh, I can now. Here we go. Perfect. Make it uh, big as well. Yeah, we can just, just start. That's okay. I'm I'm gonna figure
1: out how we're gonna put this on the full screen afterwards.
2: Okay, um if down at the bottom at the taskbar you should see a little a little present icon, just left, 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 right, right, just <laughs> just below um, apply to all, there's a button.
1: Ah, okay, yes. I can uh, see that. Apply to all.
2: Yeah, and then uh, down no down down the bottom, below apply to all, there's a little screen icon. Okay. There's a little screen icon down yes. the bottom. I can see that. Yeah. Just right. Uh, right there it is. okay no it's it's, don't really
1: yeah yeah, i can see i can see this one yeah okay we got it perfect
2: okay so if we skip on um as i said um so if we start looking at marketplace sizes um we should be able to uh see see the see the sizes um represented there okay so you've got the us there at 908 billion and you've got Canada at 61 billion. Now, this, this means that America is one of the most uh, developed marketplaces for online resellers. Um, Europe is just following up um, in close second place to the American marketplaces. And as you can see, the UK is still the crown of the European markets uh, for uh, e-commerce, uh, e-commerce revenue. Um, Germany is uh, second place. France is third place all of those uh, all of those marketplaces they are in they are extremely good places to expand a business into um, but before you do that, I mean, the other thing you can consider is uh, the global marketplaces. So um, when you're starting to look at um, things like marketplace size, you've got to consider that channel is equally as important as the location of where the sellers are and where the revenue is. So if you skip onto the next um, slide, you can see uh, under the global marketplaces, North America, they've got a completely different, um, uh, a completely different marketplace set to South America. You'll see that uh, Asia and the APAC region um, has got a completely different um, set of marketplaces to um, uh, to to Europe, for example, um, and these this just basically goes to show that. Um, There are opportunities throughout the world, and sometimes the obvious choice of marketplace isn't necessarily the best one. Um, I think this slide just basically shows just how how diverse it really is. And when you consider that Frugo in the United Kingdom has got around 10.2 million visits per month versus Otto in Germany and Poland, look at Allegro, 193.3 million visits per month. Um, these are figures that you can't ignore when you're considering a diversification strategy. Um, so going forward, I think, um, if you're looking to expand your business, there are a number of steps that you need to actually take into account. I personally think there's about eight of them, uh, and I think um, you'll find from uh, this that I think both Omar and Hi can fit into these eight uh, these eight steps as well. Um, um, and I think the first step is uh, self-explanatory: um, do your research. Okay, um, what um, what are the needs of the online shoppers would like to meet? Um, what product would you sell easily online? how do EUK uk and eu customers buy your products and do you need to create a website in each eu country these are all questions you need to ask yourself as you are actually um, expanding your business what does a typical avatar look like for your business that's a very key that's a very key uh, a very key question as well um the second step there is do i need to set up a company uh, overseas well Not necessarily. You can effectively trade from your own country of origin. You don't need to expand into a new into a new uh uh, you don't need to um, start a new uh, entity in a new country uh do you need to be domiciled into the the u.s or europe you might you might need to there might be certain tax advantages so the idea is behind that is you need to basically uh, do your research and find out whether or not you need to set up um, a company overseas now obviously a VAS can help you with that sort of thing um and we can We can actually give you a dedicated account manager that will basically help you to identify the benefits of expanding overseas, and whether or not you want to set up your own entity versus trading, uh, trading from afar. Um, There's a lot of there are lots of different um, um, opportunities out there, I think, and uh, um, you know. Knowing your finances uh, is is, is the second thing. You've got to do cost analyses. You have to put together your overseas budget. You need to do a product cost analysis. You don't want to be selling your product at a loss. And you also need to bear in mind the differences uh, when you're trading overseas. Like, for example, if you're in the US, um, uh, sales tax you need to add on, whereas in the UK and EU, all the prices include uh, VAT so you might be selling your price, uh, your, your product um, cheaper than you actually want to. Um, yeah. Um, so next, uh, the next one is uh, set, obviously setting up uh, setting up a forex account. Um, that's another way that you can um, that you, that you can actually uh, save some money. Uh, if you're using Amazon's exchange rates, I think it works out at something like uh, it's four uh, percent intercurrency transaction rate um forex companies can charge around 1.5 percent so you can save 22.5 percent um on, on transaction fees just by setting up a forex account and you can do that through a number of different people i mean OFX, uh they, they're one they're one example uh payoneer they're another and then you might even want to combine that with a finance offer, uh, option and there are other partners like sellers funding that can also offer you finance to uh, fund your expansion as well so that's uh that that That's another really good uh, point to bring up there. Um, So, yeah, being compliant with local rules is also very, very key. Um, You need to check a a number of different things, for example. um, Check it whether product compliance, um, uh, are CE markings required um, for your product, um do you need to register for any import numbers for example do you need an EORI number when trading in the uk or in eu well you're going to need to get one of those before you can start trading so you need to think about that before um have you got an experienced shipping and customs clearance agent that's another key thing are your products going to make it across the border or are they going to be delayed because those sorts of delays can cost money especially if you're waiting um, for stock to clear and you've got sellers wanting uh, so buyers wanting to buy your goods it's um it's it can be quite a, a tricky one that one Um, You obviously need to make sure you're registering for local taxes. Um, That could be VAT if you're in Europe or if you're in the US, sales tax um, or Australia, GST. There's many different forms of the same indirect taxes throughout the world. And you need to ensure that every time that you are expanding into a marketplace, are you going to trigger a local uh, tax requirement? So like, for example, if you're expanding into uh, France, uh, if you're not storing goods, you can trade cross-border. But if you are and you need OSS if, uh, or I O S S if you're trading from afar, but equally if you're storing goods in the country, you're immediately going to need a VAT number. So those those sorts of things are very very uh, very key. I think you need to make sure you know whether or not uh, whether you've triggered a tax liability. You need to make sure that you're also hiring the right experts in the respective fields. For example, um, if you're if you're going to be uh, as uh, uh, trading cross border, you're going to need to speak to an e-commerce accountant. They will help you to pick through the minefield of legislation that occurs. If you're going into a new uh, a new market, you're going to need to consider localization, and that's another key thing you need to consider. Um, you need to you need to have the right expert in the right field um, to advise you. And then, of course, you're going to want to protect your business, so um, you're going to need to re- register and apply for trademarks and brand reg- registry. I think it's, uh, those are very key, those are very key things to consider as well. Um, uh, number six on the list there is where do you store your goods? Um, are you using FBA? Are you using a 3PL? Are you drop shipping? Or are you using your own merchant network? Uh, you need to make those sorts of things to actually to de- decide whether or not you're going to be, uh, which, which route you're going to be taking on that and uh, that's uh, again very very key um, to um, to to your uh, expansion internationally. Um, number seven, localization. I think Omar can talk more about that than me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, so yeah,
1: let's uh, let's let's just one, and uh, I will jump in later on, and uh, we'll finalize this for the okay, localization. Well,
2: okay, I've, I've covered most. I've covered most of those. I've covered most of those slides now. Um, while okay. Were, while okay. So, um, I think, would you want to go on or should I go off? Uh, no, no, that's fine. If you want to put it back to the previous slide, um, that, that we were on. Okay. And um, the one before <laughs> go back one more. There okay, we go. All good. um, And obviously, um, when you're expanding your your business, you need to start thinking global. And that is a very, very key thing you need to do when you're expanding your business. You need to uh, build a global brand mindset and have an exit plan from day one. Uh, build your standard operating procedures and find ways of basically making a resilience. I mean, we're all very good at um, sort of uh, sellers are very good at selling products, but are they business managers? You need to get into the business management um, mindset. Um, you need to grasp your customer advertise, uh, avatars and uh, feel their specific needs. And don't forget, you need to um, you need to also build a culture within your own organization. Finally, Definitely. don't forget to pay yourself. You need to pay yourself. <laughs> you're going to need to obviously <laughs> make sure that you're still surviving as well at the same time. Yeah, sure. 100%. I agree with that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's all from me, I think, for the moment. Uh, okay. Eight Steps to Expand Internationally. Um, I have got a checklist to go through at the end, but I think that's more of a summary thing. Okay. Should I go to the checklist? Yeah, go to the end go to the end let's go to the expansion checklist okay expansion
1: i got it that's fine let's just yeah. keep that
2: one so every e-commerce seller when they're expanding their big business they need to be considering these 12 points okay so as I've mentioned, your check, your first on your checklist is do your research. So research, research, research. Make sure you know what your competitors are doing and make sure you know what, um, what is going on in the market. Um, set your goals is number two. Decide what you want to achieve. That is very key when you're starting and setting up and expanding your e-commerce business. You need to find the balance between quality and quantity. That again can be very very uh, very delicate balance are your uh, are your consumers going to want to uh, feel something more quality as opposed to a cheaper item find the balance that makes that um, makes that uh, absolutely clear you need to start with the largest marketplace available to minim- to maximize your sales potential so start considering uh, the US if you're not already there or the UK or Germany or France Get the big ones under your belt and then the smaller ones you can you can you can expand into as well. It's it's great. Um, ensure that you stay compliant, engage with an accountant. Um, you That's the biggest one on my list, actually. I think that should be number one, <laughs> because the problem you've got is if you're trading overseas, you may not even know that you've actually triggered a liability. So you need to make sure you've got that. You've got that under your belt um, and obviously localize your listings Um to ensure that your products are closer to your customers. Have a plan B in terms of sourcing and trading strategies. So don't rely just on one factory. What happens if that factory suddenly goes offline? Make sure you've got backups. Make sure you've got backups of your backups. And of course, make sure if you're using things like shipping 3PL providers, make sure there is another option in case something does actually happen and that um, you you need to go on from there. Um, Cheap doesn't always mean that you uh, will generate a profit. Don't always necessarily go for the cheapest option. Try and find a decent balance there. And remember, always plan because that's the key to success. Finally, the last couple of points are ensure you have a marketing and advertising strategy in place and make sure you stick to it. And Don't abandon your basket. Investigate as to why that may lead to abandonment of payments. So you always got to make sure you're finding out from your clients why they're not buying or what they're doing. And you've got to keep your ears to the ground. Number 12, most important thing is obviously don't forget to pay yourself.
0: Perfect. That sounds already really perfect. Um, Okay, let me
1: just close down this show and here we go again and stop share so that's uh was the yeah it was really good from from uh from mike avasquez uh, uh surely always here um to help if you have any questions uh, uh, of taxes or anything what is going on in the european union even in the u.s um myself i'm you know it's uh wow it's a lot for the for the european union in order to um, to get everything going it's it's i would say it's not it's more a headache than uh, than uh, losing money uh, you know it's it's not it's not about that you lose the the cash it's about it's a bit of a headache but it you it, it will get paid because don't forget that the population of the us it's about the same as all, uh, all over Europe, so there's a lot of money to make and uh, uh lower entry points. So, this little headache of the taxes, you can you can bear it and uh, uh just stick with just stick with Avask and they will guide you the right way.
2: I've seen we've actually got a question from an anonymous attendee saying, Should I start by selling in Germany? I can answer that if you want me to go ahead, please. Yes, uh, yes, okay, so that all depends on the product you're selling and what and uh, what your business model is at the moment it is one of the largest marketplaces in europe and it is definitely one that you should consider i think uh, there are many advantages um if you're working on platforms you need to consider those because obviously um there's the uh, there's there's more than one platform that you can use in germany but amazon is in there um so is um uh, I think it's uh, Kaufland, um, uh, that's formerly Realde. Um, you've got Otto Group. There's lots of opportunities, and it is one of the most developed markets in uh, in Europe. And I would say um, it's definitely one that should be on your hit list. Um, if you want advice into uh, into how to expand into Germany, um, there are a couple of things that you need to do. Um, if you're not already uh, trading in the EU, you're going to need to get an EORI number. If you're going to be storing goods in Germany, you're going to need to have obviously a VAT number. And that is the key thing, is making sure you have a VAT number before you start um, um, trading in Germany, because they will shut you down if you're not compliant. So, and they are one of the more rigorous ones. And it does take a little bit of time to get a German VAT number. So you might also want to consider shipping from another country while your German VAT number is going live. Okay.
1: Great. We got another one here, I
2: think. Okay, if my product sells very good uh, uh, in the US but don't exist in Germany or France, uh, should I still try, it or is it riskier? There no demand. Well, at the end of the day, I mean, if you're doing sales in the US and your product is selling very well there, nine times out of ten, if your product's selling well in the U in the US, it will also sell well in the UK and potentially in the EU. So, what you need to do is you need to you need to just basically analyze what marketplace you're going to be entering and find out what products are best suited for those marketplaces. There's always, you, I mean you if you're selling electronics and consumer goods that's very very good for Germany if you're selling fashion and apparel, that is very good for Italy so it all depends on what you're selling and where you're selling it and how you're selling it so I would say before you take that leap what you need to do is you need to get some advice and maybe do some research so start with the research and find out um, you can speak to a, a business consultant at ask. they can provide you with more of uh, more support as well if, if, if that was it. Um, does anyone else want to go in on this one? Um,
1: I think you said it all. Um, what I what I would still say is um, always look into the cultural differences because the US is different from the European Union and different from the UK. What sells in the US might not sell in in Germany, but might sell in France. You know, you never know because uh, Germany and France, they have uh, slightly different approaches. For example, the French customers generally don't, y- y- okay, I don't want to say something wrong, but it's it's like that. The French customer don't really like products from outside. Let's be, especially when it's from the U.S., oh, it's an no U.S. product. Why uh, We can source it from home. Why should we not take it from home, you know? So this is um, this is generally the French customer. Now, the German customer has a very strong connection with the U.S., because of all the uh, everything what happened and all the um, military what is in Germany. So there were a lot of a lot of American products actually in Germany. So they might have a, um, another approach. What about the consumer products um, which are uh, in Germany? So like I said, it, it's the difference is you need to test it you need to test it or ask margin business for example we can do we can do research we 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 have a look how how uh, different customers reacting to these products we have uh, softwares which which tell us this high uh, knows the data is king and uh, before you go into such a market just let us know and uh, we're happy to help with that
2: I would also say one other thing, if you're considering France or Germany, you don't need to also just consider VAT uh, and OSS as two of the schemes. Uh, OSS is the European one-stop shop, which allows you to trade uh, across borders. Um, You also need to now consider EPR, which is eco-contributions for France and Germany. So those are just a couple of things you also need to be aware of before you start selling. So I'll just
3: leave that one there uh, as well.
1: Okay, perfect. Um hi would you i give you the stage now
3: hey thank you maybe you repeat the question <laughs> what are we talking about here <laughs> <laughs> it's almost 23 minutes ago i guess you are more interested to understand uh, in 23 how the brands will uh, grow right exactly like exactly I, I, I that's what I we repeat. need to know
1: that's yeah. what we're here for actually
3: Exactly. So, uh, first of all, I mean, when I look at 22 versus 23, uh, and I'm seeing that, you know, a lot of um, Amazon gurus are doing some predictions, and uh, (laughs) I have some predictions as well. uh, And uh, I think, you know, the most important one will be, so uh, there is also a potential recession coming in the U.S., Uh, Obviously, also in in Europe, maybe, if not in other places. And uh, we're going to be seeing that maybe like two things. Number one, we're going to be seeing that the brands that are focused on profits and profitable sales growth, that will be more important. So everybody will ask for like, what's the best way to grow profitably rather than just grow? Um, And uh, that brings a lot of questions, you know, like that first part. Um, So first of all, for example, um, the other thing that we look at is the Amazon, Amazon's way to invest in Amazon. Um, We have seen that the ad revenues uh, increased uh, dramatically, like, you know, also the cost and the revenue, the revenue for Amazon, the cost for the sellers. I believe my prediction is uh, the there will be a double digit growth on the ad revenue on the Amazon side, and Amazon will bet heavily uh, to um, to invest and to grow their ad revenues. Now, uh, which is normal, uh, and it comes with some great data and tools. So, I think that Amazon will give more data to the sellers for better decisions. More data, more. Uh, tools uh, to make sure that the ad is optimized in the best way but that doesn't change the fact that amazon will bet heavily on getting more ad revenue right and uh, and that's very obvious because the cost of ad revenue is like it's a hundred percent pure profit in a way uh, for amazon if you exclude all the r d and marketing so it makes a lot of sense because also, the change we see with the Amazon last year, which started, it's a huge company. When the change starts, it takes time. But with Andy Jesse, with the CEO and the new team, what they are trying to do is they're trying to make Amazon even more profitable. Where in fact, for 20 years, it was a company of like growth, like just grow. Don't you know they don't care too much about profitability because the uh, the stock is uh, always going up. The valuation is going up. So it's all good, right? But in the new economy today, uh, we know that the the stock prices already went down significantly. It may not change in 23. We will not expect that Amazon stock will double and you know, the, the stock price will double in 23. So which means that there will be a huge focus on the ad revenue and to make it work there will be a lot of data and tools now if you go back to the seller side the sellers think um profitability is the most important and how to increase the profits i think that will be the seller side prediction from my side now it also means um a lot of sellers look at uh how they can run campaigns much better like how they can learn ppc more and also how to reduce their ACoS or how to use ACoS. I think that, um, you know, we will see that like a lot of sellers will um, will not be uh, maximizing their profits if they only look at the ACoS. And that's one of the things that I recommend. Like, don't look at your ACoS only. But... Check it out, like, you know, all the other things, all the other KPIs that are also important for you. Number one, for the mature sellers, not for the newcomers, but for the mature sellers, the tacos will be more important. Like how much of your revenue is ad sales and how much is um, organic sales? And if you are able to keep, let's say, your tacos below 10%, hey, why do you really care about ACOS? Like then, you know, just go and invest more because your tacos is already low. Then you don't need to care that much about ACOS. Or um, maybe a second thing is uh, per product, the, the expectation of ad spend depends on the profit. A lot of sellers today, they don't do, uh, they don't run their campaigns based on the profitability or based on the profit, but they just stick to like, hey, I have this store target 25% ACOS. And then that target at the store level is given to like, you know, the product level target 25, campaign level 25. It just goes like that. But every product is different. Every product's profit is different like if you are making five percent from product a and 20 percent uh margin from product b why should you have the same ad spend right because you're going to be spending more money with the product uh you know that you make the more margin where today's tools like one of the things that i see today's uh you know way of doing advertising is very much not related to the profit, which needs to be related. Like it needs to be related with the total sales. That's where the tacos comes into the picture. And it needs to be related also with the profit per product versus like the bid level or campaign level decisions. I mean, these are kind of like two very important things. And maybe the third one is, the uh, inventory-related decisions because, um, again, the campaigns do not work. They don't know how much inventory you have. But if you are low on inventory and you are still spending money on the ads, probably it doesn't make sense. But uh, although it sounds simple, I can assure you that a lot of sellers do not have the time. It's a time problem. That you know they check like the campaigns not only from an ACOs point of view, that's the only thing they do because like every campaign has like let's say hundred keywords maybe twenty keywords there is so many things to to check versus also to check that per based on the profit tacos as well as the inventory levels now if you combine all these things together I think more and more. We're going to be seeing that uh, PPC or the advertising will be seen um, as a component that is better to outsource rather than in-source. But then it comes back to the same uh, point of like uh, being profitable, like whether it makes sense to outsource, because if it is more expensive, then probably it will stay in-source. But I'm going to... Uh, I think that you know there will be more investments on the PPC side. And when I talk to the brands, one of the things that I ask them, do you want to become an Amazon PPC expert? Which is fine, you know, which is a good skill to have. Uh, or do you want to grow your brand and focus on your brand? Because being a PPC expert versus um, growing your brand, are two different things. And I see that a lot of sellers today in 22, they do the trade off. Like they, of course, like spend a lot of time in PPC. But next year, PPC will be maybe two times more complicated with the competition, with all the other parameters that I mentioned that needs to be looked at. And even other tools that are coming from Amazon, it will be more complicated. Then it's a trade off now. Hey, dear Mr. Amazon uh, brand owner, do you want to sell more and focus on your brand and focus on your expansion strategy to uh, make your products better, check the feedbacks, you know, innovate, add more products, more variations, or you want to spend your time on PPC? Because then you can be a great PPC specialist too, but it's a trade-off. My recommendation is not to become the PPC specialist, but to focus on the brand. But Amazon PPC will become more sophisticated in 23, more data, more tools, more parameters to check. So that will be the area that I would be uh, you know, very interested to see how it will develop and how the brands will uh, take it. I can't hear, uh, Omar. I cannot hear you.
0: Okay, now, okay. Sorry.
3: Yeah,
1: okay. Now, uh, I I wanted to say because it's it's very true with the BBC because the US is always is always upfront with all the new technology and uh, um, from from what I I know already that it's uh, uh, um, what is in place. It's the geo geo traffic or the geo targeted uh, um, tool which uh, includes now the, the, the PPC is running in the US. And, and, if, and if this is, gets more sophisticated, I definitely see um, some, some really uh, uh, yeah bright direction where, where we had for the PPC and not the first generation that we are running at the moment worldwide. Then we're going to look into the second and third generation. And I think this will look much, much more um, professional than what we're looking at right now, and then uh, obviously the CEOs or the the company owners um, are not will not be capable anymore um, to uh, play with it as they play with it right now, and should not do it anymore, as I said, and get professional help in order to um, make this a hundred percent good without losing any money, because as well, when the tools get better, obviously um the 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 click the per click rate will go up and you don't want to lose out and and say make some mistake and then wake up and have a a crazy amount sitting on your head so or on the long term to lose leaving money on the table where you can uh, hire somebody who does it for you so this is uh, definitely something you need to look into we have two questions here
3: yeah, um, let, me, uh, let me take it, uh, Omar. Okay. So I was, It's more about PPC looks like. Of course, Mike, you can jump in if you have. Other
2: things. <laughs> I was just going to say, the only so, thing I wanted I think, to say was, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Outsource, outsource to a specialist. Don't try and be a master of everything. Focus on where your strength is, which is building your brand and selling your products. <laughs>
3: Absolutely. So, um, and there is this first question comes like, uh, who can enjoy PPC? Only a few gifted people, I guess. Well, that's not like, I mean, that's right. But also um, the challenge that I see here is like, uh, when I go, you know, when I check LinkedIn, there is like thousands of people who call themselves the PPC specialists or experts. Oh, it's just getting more and more, more, you know, you know, whether they have like a one week experience or they were certified (laughs) on a course after two hours and now they are the master of PPC. So that's really challenging. But at the same time, I also understand like the the, um, the sellers because uh, I mean, if they get, I mean, at the end of the day, it's also a cost problem, right? Like, you know, what's the cost of outsourcing the PPC versus, you know, keeping it in source, you know, or maybe using a VA directly, rather than, for example, using a company with PPC specialists. Um, so the way that I address this question is, is, uh, is like, um, first of all, like, for example, in Eva, we built our own PPC automation, because, you um, It makes, unfortunately, uh, no sense to try to do everything manually. So the automation is the key. Doesn't need to be super sophisticated, but using, I mean, we also already have the artificial intelligence experts because there are a number of parameters go into that PPC decisions. So the automation is the key. So that's one, one thing. But then a lot of sellers ask me whether they can rely 100% on automation. And my answer is a clear no. If you're just using a tool and think that the tool will make it work, it's not possible. I'm telling you, it will be only a suboptimal solution because there are so many parameters that needs to be looked at by a human expert. And some of these decisions are business decisions. So which means that, With that business decisions, it makes sense to combine the automation with the PPC specialist. And that's kind of like at least our approach in EVA. We combine it and we try to make it uh, in terms of price as uh, cost effective as possible because we know that it's already one of the biggest problems for, for the sellers. So that's kind of like get the best expert get the AI based automation and have the lowest cost. If there is anybody who is able to do it, maybe, I mean, I'm trying to do it on Eva, but if there's anybody like who is claiming that they are doing it, dear Amazon sellers, go and work with them because these are the best guys. That's what I think. So that's kind of like my um, my approach to that. And the second is, are PPC costs same in all EU countries or are they cheaper than in the US? Very broad question, like, because it depends on the category. It depends on the product. But we can say that, obviously, the penetration in US is much more compared to the penetration of, like, uh, the sellers in Europe. Like, I mean, that's already uh, Mike was showing us like the marketplaces and the even extension beyond Amazon but if you look at on Amazon if we compare like France versus US i mean obviously France is maybe let's say a state of US like in that sense and there is less sellers and there is less also uh, entrance from outside uh, you know outside sellers like you know like from China from Africa uh, from Latin America, but in U.S. it's like everybody is first starting with U.S., right? So obviously from that respect, you can assume that the CPC, which is the cost per click, in general will be cheaper in Europe compared to U.S. Or maybe to also um, reinforce what, what um, uh, Mike mentioned, um, why it makes sense to expand Because maybe your product doesn't have that many of competition as you have in the US if you go to, for example, in France. And maybe you'll be the number one seller in France, although it's a smaller market, but maybe your market share will be much bigger compared to US because you take the necessary steps to localize with margin business, to expand your business to France, which you don't know the language and any of the rules by using, you know, a company like Awask. So basically, you know, you, you already did these things that the others didn't do because everybody uh, always goes for the low-hanging fruit, which is US. So if you combine all these things, it makes sense to say that the PPC costs are uh, cheaper than the US, but you still need to build your local strategy in that country to be
0: successful I think that's the um, answered already the question here
1: and yeah for uh let's uh, Mike, do you have any questions for him? I mean for the generally for the for the PPC?
2: Um, no i don't have anything directly about ppc ppc is really it's not my strength it's uh um it, it really isn't but one of the things that i think um i think uh i, I would like to say is actually uh, in 2023 we're going to see real hard financial decisions having to be made because uh there is a financial crisis on the horizon it is getting worse out there um pp uh so not ppc um <laughs> e-commerce sellers and e-commerce members of the community they're going to need to make sure that they build a resilient business and i think you're going to do that by diversifying making sure you've got a very strong diversification strategy in mind so try and find more than one way of selling your products and use that and use all of the tools out there that can assist you with uh, growing and expanding your business cross-border into new markets um i think it's going to it's going to really be resilience, uh, resilience testing. Those people that are building those sorts of businesses where they are diverse and they are on multiple marketplaces, they're using multiple providers, they are succeeding and they are still gaining market share and traction. So I think that's going to be key in 2023 is making sure you have a resilient uh, business plan and making sure that your business plan is in a position where you've got diversification at the heart of everything you're doing. That could be anything, really. Diversifying your advertising strategy, diversifying your market strategy, your marketplaces, your com- the countries where you're operating. It, it really does, I, I really do think that is a, a key strategy that you need to consider uh, going forward.
1: And on top of that, everything is growing. Everything is getting bigger. We're, we're, it's, you know, when I look at it, the world is so big, you know, and when we look at this, it's, everything is small, still very, very small. You know, we're not even like, like we talked about before, Mike, infancy, we're, we're barely out of the baby age in the e-commerce, you know, where it's, uh, it's going to be a whole other level very soon, you know? Um, And that's as well with the trends and everything, we should not stop ourselves uh, to do everything manually, to do everything myself, to not using software, you know, because at the end, if you don't lose software, you know, you're going to stay small. That's about it. You know, it's, uh, if you're looking at it like that, You need to have software. Need to have procedures. Everything. We need to be prepared for growth. the 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 years ahead will be very big. Uh, In a few years, um, we will be looking at drones delivering uh, uh, to us. We, you know, it's 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 just another world. What is waiting for us out there? So adapting. And doing your research is, uh, I think, the best uh, thing moving forward. And this is how we um, will close it. I will do my little presentation uh, right now, talking about the localization and uh, optimization of listings. Not specifically, not technically. I would go even more because this is what I've seen is more in demand, Um, the uh, cultural aspects of. Of everything um, around the, the the e-commerce, as we are moving in into um, an international uh, world marketplace, uh, every day talking with international um, uh, people from other other countries, we need to understand who we actually are talking to. Although we don't we don't see them um, right now, we will be definitely. Having more interaction uh, after COVID, I mean to fly and uh, be around uh, others um, here tomorrow. uh, You know, today in Europe, tomorrow and in in the UAE or in Qatar, or we have seen it with the football. Everything is is uh, you know it's it's not only one world. There is thousands of worlds out there, and the customers are there. The customers are not anymore at our doorstep, so we need to understand our customer. I hope you can see everything. um yeah can okay. see that
2: fine oh now it's me, disappeared.
1: you cannot okay then this was only the second bit, uh, uh, screen. okay you can see it now yeah yes. okay let me just make it uh, bigger. okay so let's go. okay so it's just it will be very quick don't worry it's um uh, just a quick. Uh, um, follow through uh, about the this kind of sum up what we have been talking about, but not specifically in the direction what Hi or, or uh, Mike has been talking about. So I am uh, your host. This I will go through. Then we second, we have why we do we need are the listings localized, translation options, why Google Translate is not the answer, and why should you invest into native uh, services? I will build this a little bit out because these uh, points are a little bit um, most of people, they know the answers to these points. That's why I will go a little bit uh, further with it. So first of all, I haven't presented myself yet, but I am. my name is Omangri. I'm the CEO of Margin Business the uh, uh, and the co-founder of Margin Business. And we do this since 10 years. So we localize listings. Um, we understand that the world is an international marketplace and we need to go to our customers into their houses, in front of the doorsteps, and present them the goods the customer would like to sell to them. As right now, it will be hard that um, somebody from, let's say, from the U.S. Um, want to sell, uh, let's say, in France, and uses his uh, knowledge from the U.S. and brings it to the European Union and sells there. So that's why we are here. We are localizing his listings. Um, We helping him to understand his customer and we helping him as well to sell the right product to the customer, because what happened if the customer don't really want the product, what is selling in the U S and has 10,000 reviews and going to France and nobody want to sell, nobody want to buy it or less people want to buy it. Let's, let's say it this way. So this is what we mainly do. We are here to bring the customer directly to under to make to help you um understanding your customer. So why do you need your listings to be localized? So there are eight 28 different countries in the European Union and my guess is um, within the next years Amazon will have and all of these countries will have uh, marketplaces so we are we are already at eight now um 2022 uh, from 2010 we had only like, I think it was three, if I'm not mistaken, in 2010. Um, And then we slowly added some of the the other marketplaces. We added uh, uh, Spain, uh, Italy, um, and then we had the Netherlands, uh, Sweden, uh, Poland, uh, and Belgium. So we're we're really growing. So uh, I know already we're going to be, I don't know how long it will take, maybe 2030, then we have uh, Amazon marketplaces all over the place. I forgot Amazon Sweden, I think. So that is why I'm a, that is why you need to understand where you are selling because all of these countries have different cultures, all of these countries have different customers, all of these countries like different products. Uh, um, to, a, to up to an extent where I would say if if uh, uh, obviously everyone likes certain products, but. There's different products, there's different approaches, there is um, maybe others like it more. So you need to really to to think where to sell it to and to sell it correctly. Okay, so um, let's go to the next one. Um, The three types of translations. So there's the Google Translate, which is Amazon giving you um, and trying to sell you for free. Um, which is not good at all and which costs you more money than make you uh, any money and maybe not even get you ranked in the algorithm. So I don't even understand why Amazon anyway is proposing this because your listing will be literally at the ground if you you present yourself as a company, as a professional, serious seller, uh, putting uh, Google Translate in no matter what language you're putting on. Um, Native language is good. But localization is better. Why is localization better? And what is the difference? So the difference is that when you translate, there will be somebody who's translating your listings uh, from, for example, from the US into uh, German or French and will translate it as it is. Okay, here's the translation. Thank you very much. Okay, you pay for that and that's it. The localization is somebody where who is sitting there and actually understands the customer, understands Amazon, understands marketing is a copywriter and has researched your product. So got familiar with the product. So this is as well, the person which would say, Hey, uh, listen, Omar, um, I I don't, I don't, I don't really recommend that you are selling this product here because in France, the indications say it's not good, um, to sell it. So you should not do it. So this is the third one. So there is these three different options and, I really highly recommend looking into the third option because it's your best bet that you can get really your product sold in one of these marketplaces. Um, so why Google Translate is not the answer? I'll make it very quick this one because it should not be uh, there should not be too many uh, things what we should talk about. Um, why not Google? There is the first point is that in general. People will not feel confident buying a product from you, especially it's already a foreign product. Let's say it's not from the U.S. or it's not from uh, uh, from France or it's not from Germany. It hasn't produced in any of these countries, so people are already saying, "Okay, mm, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a baby product. Maybe it's a sports product. We don't know." But in general, skepticism. Then they read they read the listing, and it's Nas has it has it has not been written by a native speaker. The, the, the pictures are not adapted. Um, it just had been Photoshopped. You can see that it's Photoshopped. So the whole listing is upside down, upside down for our eyes and skepticism in the eyes of the customer. So what we have to do, we have to try to not do this. So I call this a messy listing and nobody wants to buy from example, from a storefront or from a store, which is messy. So everything needs to be 100% in, 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 in all of these things. So you either learn it, how to do it, or you hire a company like Margin Business to do it for you. But I highly recommend not um, to do it directly straight away. Either you learn it, like I said, or you hire professionals. There's other companies out there as well. So why is it, is it not the best practice? I, I wrote you a bad practice, but why is not the best practice for fiber and work? I mean, they are 100% capable people on Fiverr and on Upwork, don't get me wrong, but they are not in your team. So they are not in our team, for example. So that means we should hire somebody from Upwork who has no clue how we work, who has no clue um, about Amazon, who has no uh, understanding of the whole marketplace situation. So it's very, very, very important to have somebody who knows all of this. We need the competitive research. You need the localization experience. You need the translations, how the translations are made, how the localizations are made and the keyword research at the end. As somebody who has no clue about, always has never heard about keywords, cannot help you with the keyword research. Okay, he can translate some keywords, which I would not recommend at all. Still, people are doing it. You know who you are. (laughs) And... um, it's, it's, it's just, you know, you losing sales with that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not making fun or making jokes. Are you losing sales with that? This is real money, which goes off the table. If you translate your keywords. Okay. So really try to do everything a hundred percent because customer want a hundred percent right now. Customers are literally spoiled. They're spoiled with products. They're spoiled with the listings. They, they, so you need to stand out in order to sell. So okay, let's uh, let's move on. If not, I'm going to talk too much about this. Um, why is it important to know your international customer? Uh, as already mentioned in the pictures before, we had we had this little flags everywhere. So it's different culture, different language, different perception, different opinion, and different needs. So we have the whole globe. There is everything is different. So in one way, it's even easy to do it. You know, you just go, you understand one country, you sell your product there and everything is happy. You know, everything is good because you did your research. So don't forget, don't forget. You need not only to speak your customer's language, you need to speak their language, like culturally as well. Because they have different perception as you. They have different opinion about products or about services or about photos and you. And they have different needs. Because a customer, for example, um, from Germany have different needs from a customer from Spain. Uh, Most of the time it's sunny in Spain. Most of the time it rains in, in, in Germany, just as an example. So maybe you should not sell an umbrella into Spain. Just, just an example. It just came over my head like that. Sorry. Um, okay, so everything that I was speaking about now, um, I think makes sense for bigger companies makes sense as well for smaller companies and makes sense for, for smaller sellers. But the smaller sellers don't have that much investment. And maybe the mid-sized companies don't have that much investment. I know that the big companies have that investment and they are already following this through because they don't want to miss the train. As I already said, we're we're in baby shoes right now. We're, we're in baby stage and the whole e-commerce will grow. And we need to grow with it. We need to understand it before uh, in order to... Um, make these profits so it's a lot of work it's a lot of money to invest and a lot of time to organize yes so this is where for example companies like avas can help this is where hi with eva guru can help a very sophisticated software so you literally only have to check what is going on and act on the data, and for us, for example, it's 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 the whole the whole cultural aspect of the listings. So if you look at it, we are we are three companies. We can take care of almost every need what a customer uh, wants, and we have a big network where you can fall as well back on, where we can fall back on, and ask others if they need help with that. So really, just look at the webinar again. Check out what you need, and and that's about it. I think we spoke about this already. So um, yeah, any questions? Happy to to um, to reply.
2: There's one, and the, uh, there's one waiting for you in the Q and A there, Omar.
1: Thank you for attending. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think we are off the. Yes, now we're off, great. So yes, there's one in the Q&A,
0: let's, uh, let's get this one. Let's get this one away, we got it here, open. Okay. Oh yes,
1: um, you should as well translate the text on the product images and on A+. Don't leave it out. For example, I gave this example, uh, this example as well, when I was in the um, at the speakers' event in the UAE last week, um, because they asked this question about the um, the Arabic. Should we change? Um, although the listings will be only in English on the UAE Amazon UAE, should we change the language into Arabic? And my answer was yes. You you need to change it into Arabic and english would be the best because there is a lot of expats obviously yes about 90% expats in the in the uae and the, the rest is uh, only uh, emiratis so but still there's a large speaking uh, arabic population so yes you should most of the time uh, translate this so uh, for example if it's from english into german or into french yes translate this on the pictures definitely and a plus the same and adapt your photos So don't assume that, for example, for Germany is uh, you should use the same photos as for the UAE or for Saudi use the same photos as for France. Really go deep, know your customer and react to it. I think done. (laughs) Okay. so, yeah, if there is not any more questions right now, um, I think we can close this down. This was exactly an hour.
3: that's we didn't
1: good. go live in all the places. I I I know I know it's my fault. Um, sorry about that. I will I will post the video everywhere uh, afterwards. Um, we are currently only live on Zoom and Facebook. Um, I click too fast, and if you click too fast, then it's gone. The train is gone, so you cannot um, um, put it live anymore in the other channels. But anyways, um, I've seen. There is a few people online and definitely we will post this everywhere we can and nobody will will miss this one because I think it's very, very important and will give lots of value for the community. Thank you, Mike. Uh, thank you, hi. Thank you attendees. Um, it was amazing and we are tr- looking forward to doing this every month with um, different speakers, different topics um, to bring, yeah, the latest news of the Amazon world, the e-commerce world, the international e-commerce world. And yeah, thank you.
2: Thanks very much. Great.
1: We're going off now. Ah, oh, wait, there's another question. Oh, yeah, great. Okay, no, no, no. It was just a comment.
0: Okay, we are off the live stream or are we are still on. okay I will click it off now right we all go now